And that's our agreed exchange. So it is uh, what's known as uh, a legal tender. Which is the crux. The crux. It's a different world. What we're talking about is replacing paper money with a digital version of it linked to the South African Rand or linked to the, the currency of the country. And we would like it to be issued in conjunction with the Reserve Bank. Okay, so basically what we're talking about is sovereign-backed electronic legal tender. Exactly. Sovereign-backed, so backed by the Reserve Bank. Yes. So that people have confidence in it. Okay. And it's one-to-one to Legal tender and that people can accept it, that it's as good as money, and that if you've got it in your wallet, you don't need for us, Sunny Fisher, this thing to be in business. Mm -hmm. You know you're guaranteed you can go to the central bank of the country and you can convert that into paper money or transfer it into a traditional bank account. That's what it's going to take to make it ubiquitous. And if it's not ubiquitous, it's not going to work. If it doesn't work for everybody, it's going to work for nobody. And that's our role. That's the role of the sandbox. We're not pulling everybody together and saying, well, this is going to work for everybody. But there are some tricks that make our approach unique. That's part of our secret sauce that um, I think positions us to be the one to do this. We need to get practical, right? What are the problems that we, we, we're trying to solve and what is needed to solve it? So I'm going to explain it um, in non-technical terms if I can. Okay. What we have in the payment industry is an amalgamation of a myriad of different intermediaries, channels, payment methods. It is absolute chaos out there. We, there are 35,000 banks in the MasterCard network. Um, the banks do $400 quadrillion a year in bank-to-bank -bank transfers. The numbers are, are, are astronomical, right? So you've got this global trade um, going on. There's the SWIFT system for the interbank payments. There's the Visa and MasterCard network. Um, banks control the networks. Everything's hunky-dory. You have the zip-zap machines. Now we live in an internet world where now people are connected, but we're now moving into a step beyond that. And we're taking a couple of leaps in complexity, right? So what we're talking about is before mobile phones and smartphones, there were only a billion people really connected to the internet because you needed a computer. Yes. There are now 5 billion people who have phones, 6 billion, I don't know. Yeah. So that, that's how many people there are now who are connected to an internet, one central. I mean, you orders of magnitude, right? But that ain't nothing, because now we're talking about the Internet of Things. And what's the next step? Well, machines are going to be connected to the Internet, and you're going to be able to talk to machines. How many machines are out there? Wow. You know, the people who have 10 machines, 10 computers in their lives. There's one in their phone, there's one in their camera, there's one in their fridge. Yeah, I think I've got about four or five connected devices, just personally. Um, and then we haven't even started to talk about business applications, about just arriving at um, at your appointment, not having someone have to sign you in because you've got your phone with you so they know who you are as you walk in, 
notifies the person that you've arrived for your appointment, mm-hmm. uh, your par- parking's paid for, you know, all of that can be done by connecting everything to everything. So it's a whole new order of magnitude. Um, it's a whole new, you know, we have come so far from that zip zap machine where, you know. Mm-hmm. So in order to manage this complexity, it's got to the point where it's too complex now. There are too many vulnerable points where people can connect into data. And more and more we're doing important things, sharing private information, payment information, yes. But it's going to be health information. It's What if someone hacked your Uber and could see where you live? You know, meet you at a, at a bar, boom, hacks in, sees... Richard, you know, is waiting for you at your house. All of this data that's, you know, all over the place is going to become an increasing problem as, um, you know, there's a whole industry of people um, there to steal data and um, do bad stuff with it. Yeah. Let alone the corporations who buy the data and do bad stuff with it. So that's going to become the pressing issue of this era, right? This is going to become very, very prescient as... um, more and more data gets collected as we do more and more on this and as it becomes more and more critical to our existence. Security. So what's the answer? The blockchain. Boom. Why? Because the blockchain encrypts the data. So you don't have to worry about security from a mobile device. Because it's encrypted at source. Because it's encrypted at source. And can only be read by the person who has the key on the device. So if you have all these devices and we have all this data, isn't it important that we have a secure key for that person to be able to say, I would like access to my data and I would like to give access to Clayton's bank um, to have access to my um, KYC, know your customer information and my um, home affairs information, but does not need access to my health information. And in fact, maybe doesn't even, yeah, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Clayton's a, an e-commerce provider. Clayton doesn't need to know my address because Clayton doesn't deliver it. The delivery company does. So Clayton never gets my address. So now Clayton doesn't have to protect the data, et cetera, et cetera. So I call it, um, it's crypto everything, right? Everything can be encrypted. If everything's encrypted with this thing being the thing that unlocks it, then you're A for away. Um, it's a paradigm shift. It's a game changer. But what you've got to do is you've got to have a universal key on these things. Otherwise, you're going to have a different password for every bank and every insurance company. And, you know, now you can use your, your thumb. Exactly, your thumb. Yeah. So, you know, that's, a, that's a, a key component of it. But what does that unlock? That allows us then to solve a massive problem. And that is the transfer of digital assets securely. Because now, because it's all encrypted and it's encrypted to your device, what it means is I can now authorize it. Only I can authorize the transfer of money to you. So it's a push and never a pull. It's a push with an authenticated identity. And it's a game changer. What we can do with our payment blockchain is we can transfer money from one wallet to another 
where the only way it can get from one wallet to the other if if the person who's got the money takes out their wallet and sends it to the person. No one can pull it out. No one can get your payment information and process a payment without you. There's no debit order ways. There's no. If you think of it, it, it basically replaces cash, the functionality of cash, right? Yes. Um, the only way that cash comes out of my wallet is if I take my wallet out and I take the cash. Um, the bank can't uh, come and take it out. Um, you know. So I'm in control of my money. Um, it doesn't involve a bank. You accept a token from me, which is the banknote, mm -hmm. and that's our agreed exchange. So it is uh, what's known as uh, a legal tender. Which is the crux. The crux. Because at the moment, legal tender does not extend to any cryptocurrency. Legal tenders are banknotes and coins. Yes. Let's first distinguish between all the other cryptocurrencies, the 2,700 and 58 or 59 mm -hmm. different coins out there and okay what they're doing is they're they're doing all sorts of different things but what they are not doing is they are not trying to create a means of legal tender they're trying to create a coin that is based on uh, 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 speculation creates its own value like bitcoin Okay, yeah, so all, you're referring to like Bitcoin. Yeah, they're all chasing after Bitcoin. If you have a look at the market cap of Bitcoin, we're yeah. great if you got some at one cent and you had them and you were holding them now, right? So everybody's trying to do that. Uh, I think it, it warrants, um, we should have a discussion around this, but I think it'll be much more interesting if we do a group discussion and let's get some people on the line. We'll get some of the, the Bitcoin guys there. Okay. Uh, the crypto guys uh, from Canada and we'll invite them on and we'll talk, get some of the journalists who interviewed interviewed me earlier in the year or sure. last year. And let's have a discussion about, about that. But it's, it's a different world. What we're talking about is replacing paper money with a digital version of it linked to the South African Rand or linked to the, the currency of the country. And we would like it to be issued in conjunction with the Reserve Bank. Okay, so basically what we're talking about is sovereign backed electronic legal tender exactly sovereign backed so backed by the reserve bank yes so that people have confidence in it okay and it's one to one Le to legal the tender and that people can accept it that it's as good as money and that if you've got it in your wallet you don't need for us sunny fisher this thing to be in business mm -hmm. you know you're guaranteed you can go to the central bank of the country and you can convert that into paper money or transferring to a traditional bank account. That's what it's going to take to make it ubiquitous. And if it's not ubiquitous, it's not going to work. If it doesn't work for everybody, it's going to work for nobody. And that's our role. That's the role of the sandbox. We're not pulling everybody together and saying, well, this is going to work for everybody. But there are some tricks that make our approach unique. It's part of our secret source um, that are, I think positions us to be the ones who do this. And they're um, a couple of key things. One is that we are 80% owned by the customers. So, and the customers get dividends and um, have a say in um, how things work and what we do with proceeds, etc. So like a, a full-on cooperative it's a approach. cooperative approach. The balance um, of the equity is for management as an incentive to make the thing profitable and for investors to help capitalize it, those who've invested already uh, with uh, a little bit 
left in the kitty to um, raise the balance of the capital required to create the platform of the scale that's required. Sure. So that's the one big difference. Okay, this is not for me. It's it's for us. For us. Okay. <laughs> critical, critical uh, um, success factor because it's based on cooperative banking. You know, it's based on providing a, a solution at cost, which in this case is free. So that's the one fundamental difference. Yeah. Yeah. No one can claim to own something like that anyway. It'll never work. No, I mean, it's just not going to work if it's owned by, it doesn't matter who it is or how nice the people are or whatever. At the end of the day, no. I mean, this model's been proven. It's what made Germany, America, Japan. Uh, cooperatives, you've got to work together. You've got to work together. So, I mean, I'm, I don't even want to have that debate anymore. Sure, no, we're not economy. having that debate. I mean, yeah, e- yeah. even during this pandemic, we've seen all the people coming you together know, and everyone's figuring it out. You know? So, um, and I... Th- um, yeah, there are enough like-minded people who, who, who get it now. Yes. And, uh, I think we we can stipulate on that point. <laughs> cool. Um, so that, that's the one uh, one major difference. And then, you know, from day one, we've said that this needs to involve the banks and the central bank. So mm-hmm. we're not trying to take on the central bank. What we're doing is we've, we've come up with a model that says we can provide it as a public utility because it's self-funding. Okay. Yes. So we've got a model where we, well, not only is it self-funding, because the banks are self-funding, <laughs> but it's self-funding without charging anybody, right? How does that work? Yeah, it's subsidized, <laughs> right? Subsidized through advertising, subsidized through admin fees, but no transaction fees and no interest. So it doesn't matter how much money you borrow or how many transactions you do or how little transactions you do. It's free, mm. right? And that's a big difference. And why is that? Because it's the only way it'll be ubiquitous. Because if we charge one cent, we're going to be charging somebody one cent who um, at the moment gets it for free or gets pays half a cent. And then they're not going to want to pay more. And they're right. It's free for everybody. It's done as a public utility. But then you, we need the ubiquity. So this is one of those things that either you have the scale and it works or it doesn't. Um, but I like what you say. You say free is actually a great model. Just ask Google. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's 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 free because you're getting someone else to subsidize it. Look at mm. eTV. Free TV. No, the advertisers are paying. Yeah. So somebody has to pay. But yes, it doesn't have to be the customer. Why? Because our customers don't have money. They need money. Okay. Um, and if we're going to charge for something that they can use cash for and therefore make it free, they're going to use cash. Yes. And then the other thing is ours is real time. We People think that it takes a long time to settle transactions. Uh, yes, Bitcoin can take some time. We're not Bitcoin. We went and found the best and greatest proven technology and we're doing transaction settlement in under three seconds, under two seconds in the main. Mm-hmm. So we can do it real time. That's the thing. We can provide that digital cash. And what, we, what we're what we advocating for is that we're not going to be the only ones. The way that I see it is the Reserve Bank will hold wholesale currency probably in an open platform like Ethereum. They tested the Ethereum. They did um, settlement of, how, I think it was 100,000 transactions in under two hours. Testing bank-to-bank real-time gross settlement. Sure. So what this means is that everybody who is a dealer in um, this electronic rand 
we would be one. I'm sure there are other companies who have strategies that they would like to also. Then what we do is we buy that float using the wholesale token from the Reserve Bank and then it's guaranteed by the Reserve Bank we can issue our tokens up to that value. They audit it and it's backed. And then we could just increase our float as we need it uh, and uh, buy it directly from the Reserve Bank. Boom, boom, boom. And it does. there's no systemic risk and um, we leave it up to the Reserve Bank to decide what wholesale mechanism they want to use. But it's, it's all done on, on really public utility blockchains. Ours is a private permissioned blockchain because when soon it comes down to real payment data, you need privacy. Yes. But we also address the accountability where I don't think anonymous transactions are realistic. So that's one of the advantages people like about Bitcoin, right? It's anonymous. I think the reality in the world that we do we live in, I think transactions can be anonymous until there's a court order or there's a there's a reason. And then I think, you know. So that's how the it's it's like semi-private. It's private until you get a court order and then you can open up your blockchain and see where you're in the reserve bank, you know, yeah. for money laundering and um, we don't want our system to be exploited by people who are using it for nefarious reasons. Yes, exactly. I think that a common what a reasonable person would say is I would like my business to be private. But everybody understands that if you start laundering money, you lose that right. Yes. If you break the law, the right? And then the interesting thing is, right, that if that's the case and you get that court order and then we can start unpacking, everybody who was doing business with you would be in trouble. So, and that's what we want. We don't want a system that's the banksters and the, and the fraudsters are making the money. They're stealing our hard-earned money. We want a system that people can trust. And that's the other thing that is, makes us different, is we've built into our model um, insurance and insurance premiums. And what we're saying is that um, this must be insured, the deposits must be insured. We're talking about like a federal deposit insurance scheme, which is standard in America. In America, $200,000, your money is secure in a bank. If the bank goes under, there's an insurance policy that will pay you out so you won't lose your capital. In South Africa, if a bank goes under, there's none, none of that. Yeah. The government doesn't step in and you don't get your money. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. We don't want that. We want our depositors to know that. If I've got on my wallet here and it says that I've got you know 10,000 electronic rand and somebody commits fraud or whatever and it's not my problem. It's guaranteed. It's yeah. insured. It's backed by the sovereign, by the country. Um, it's secure. Yeah. It's insured. And um, it's fast and reliable. For sure. I think I think one point we need to make, though, um, while you're talking about fraud on the system, is that um, it's 100 times more secure than the current system no, no, now. The fraud, there's so much fraud. I mean, we, we spend so much money and they steal so much. It's, it's just it's such an insecure system. So I think just to get to the crux then, right? So now mm-hmm. we've got the secure platform. We've got this electronic money that we can exchange wallet to wallet. But it's also open with open APIs. And this is another massive innovation and in why this is being done and why. Now, everybody can use it. So if you are Vodacom and you want to have your own wallets and people can buy airtime and they can buy this and that, you don't need M-Pesa. You don't need to spend a billion rand on that and then... Developing then a whole new system. A whole new system. Then the, the retailers have to integrate to accept M-Pesa and then... No, just use the electronic RAN. Um, you are 
old mutual, you want to collect premiums. Boom. One currency. Open APIs with push level security. It's got to be opened up to everybody. So as part of our sandbox, we're going to be launching with a couple of people that we're integrating into just as a proof of concept to show and make sure that we cater for it. But what we're talking about now is going to be an explosion of payment functionality in apps because now you could have a you could have a thing that you could in your gym you don't you don't have to pay 100 bucks a month anymore for your gym and um, when you walk in it says 12 rand 50 and you say cool yeah because you've arrived, you've arrived. When, you, when you leave it's whatever yeah, it is yeah when you leave i mean i don't know i'm just yeah for sure there's, there's a million applications there are millions of applications that we haven't thought of. There are millions of people who are just like, oh, if I could just have payments in my in my app. Everything's too complicated. Um, it's open to fraud. You have to get credit checked. Mm-hmm. Man, it's just an end-to-end nightmare and we, we're going to change that. So that's another really, really important part yeah, of it. bringing in the ecosystem. For sure. Uh, imagine what it's going to do to something like Facebook Marketplace where you can see something that you like and you can literally click pay there, the money goes straight to the guy, can get it delivered, done. And we'll have things like um, COD, so um, the escrow, so that yeah. you can put the money aside and he can come and you can release it when they get you and all sorts of cool things. Mm. All of that stuff, there's amazing stuff to follow. So that's the reason we want to introduce the standardized digital money that people can offer. And then that's just the start of it, right? That's the cracks, but it's the enabler. I only developed this all this payment stuff for the next step, which is what you can do once you have secure digital money. And that um, we'll unpack tomorrow a little bit with Mary. We'll do one podcast just on the bond and what electronic legal tender does for one's ability to finance small and medium business. Great. Okay, that's I think that's a wrap for today. That's that that's fantastic. There's almost two podcasts in there. I think like obviously the big takeaway for me today was was the ELT, the electronic legal tender. A few things that you touched on that we need to expand on, I think like when you said that it's subsidized by advertising. I think we should we should do a an adver buying episode. Cool. So we can expand on that a little bit. But other than that, that's I mean it's really exciting. I think that's one of the better explanations of the the inner workings of well, listen i of, felt like yeah. i got uh, deep in the woods there at times yeah it's it, it is complex stuff um, money's complicated and it's mm. ancient you know it was the medicis um in in uh, back in italy who um really invented modern banking and accounting and um, that's how far back it goes sure. um it's, it comes back to trust and that's where um positive money Mm-hmm. Um, one of the key things that talk there uh, talk about there is trust, and that's what this key also says to the electronic legal tender and why government and, and and the regulators and everybody has to be involved because without trust you have nothing, and it doesn't matter what I do, it's you know, it's never going to have the gravitas you know, or me a company for us. Yes, um, it's wrong. You need to have the the confidence that. Government says um, that there's a there's a, a company and a technology provider and a, with with scale and ability to deliver the solution. 
Um, you need to know that they're sufficiently capitalized and that they uh, can operate uh, in perpetuity. But then you need to know that if money gets stolen, anything goes wrong, uh, it doesn't matter what, um, your funds are, are, are insured. And then lastly, you need to know that if all of that fails, and at the end of the day, the government will stand behind it. That's what we need to get right. Nothing less will be good enough. Sure. Nothing less will achieve the goals of financial inclusion. But that's what's so exciting about the sandbox because those are the goals of the sandbox. Everything's aligned.